Come on, you put your hands together for me. Now somebody do it for Jesus in this room. Come on. I said, somebody do it for Jesus. If he's King of Kings and Lord of Lords, if he's Alpha and Omega in your life, if he's been better to you than you could get to yourself, somebody put your hands together one more time and make some noise for Jesus in this room. Awesome. While you're standing, while you're standing, grab your Bibles, grab your Bibles, turn to the book of John, the book of John, four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Today we'll be in John. And while you're turning, let me just say, or, or let me just say this, while you're turning them on, uh, turning your Bible on, uh, let me just say it's, it's such an honor to be here uh, with you. I have heard great things about this church, and uh, I've heard great things from your pastors and from people that are around this area. And let me just say it's all true. How many know you go to a great church? Come on, if you love your church, you ought to put your hands together. And uh, I'm thankful for not just your church, but I'm thankful for your pastors. Uh, there are th- I could say so much about your pastors and go into some theological discourse, but I can say this. I'll sum it all up. Is they love people, they live what they preach, and they lead with vision. And anytime you have leadership that's going somewhere with that, then you can go a long way from the kingdom of God. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let me uh, just get into this word. My beautiful wife is here. Uh, So glad she was able to make it. I preach better when she's with me. So, uh, you know, if you feel, if you see me preaching a little extra hard and sweating a little too much and spitting and yelling a little too much, it's because she's on the front row. I'm trying to impress her. I'm trying to impress, trying to impress her. No, it's good. It's good. Let's just get into this word today with the time we have remaining. God has sent me here with a message for you, not just about where you are, but about your future. And I believe God wants to take you into new places. How many believe God's not finished with you yet? How many believe there are greater places in God that God is still waiting for you to get? There are things that you still have to attain that God is not. If you have breath in your lungs, God is not finished with you today. Amen. Amen. Let's get into this word. I'm going to preach this thing like I feel it. Can I just be me today? This is what God's word says. It says, and after these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. And in this way, he showed himself. Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. And Simon Peter said to them, I go fishing. And they said to him, We go with you also. And they went out, and immediately they got into a boat. And that night they caught nothing. But when the morning had now come, Jesus stood on the shore. Yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to them, Children, have ye any food? And they answered him, No. And he said to them, Cast now your net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. So they cast, and they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of fish. Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved, said to Peter, it is the Lord. And when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he had removed it, and he plunged into the sea. But the other disciples came in in a little boat, for they were not far from land, about 200 cubits, dragging the net with fish. Last verse. And as soon as they had come to land, they saw a fire of coals there, and fish laid on it, and bread. It is my assignment very briefly this morning. God said to preach a message, this message to you. God said, this is the season to say, I'm going overboard. I'm going overboard. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your presence. 
We have walked in with thanksgiving. We have touched your courts with praise. Now, God, as we get closer and closer to you, say something, God, that echoes in our ear forever. God, I pray, speak so profoundly, God, that pain turns to power and tragedies turn to triumph. God, open your mouth in this room and say something over us, God, that changes us forever. Weave your way through every aisle, into every seat, into every heart of every life, and we'll give you praise for it all. And if you believe that today could be your day, somebody say amen. Now high five your neighbor as you're seated. Say, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready. Thank you so much. If there's anything I believe you have to understand in this room, something that's elementary to your faith, that if you are a beginner in Jesus and you are looking for the priorities of belief systems and what should I believe and how I ought to believe, the first thing I believe you have to know about the God you serve is the God you serve is not a dead God. I'm going to say it again. I said the God you serve is not a dead God. They buried other prophets, and the other prophets are still in the grave. They, they put Muhammad in the grave, and he's still in the grave. They, they put Confucius in a tomb, and he's still in the tomb. They even put Buddha in the grave, and he's still in the grave. But they put your Jesus in the grave, and three days later, he got back up again because he's not a dead God. He's a living God. If it's your God, you ought to make some noise for him right now. And if he's not dead, your prayer life shouldn't be dead. If he's not dead, your worship life shouldn't be dead. If he's not dead, then everything we do in the house of God ought to be a reflection of who he is. That means every once in a while, i got to be willing to lift my hands, jump up and down, dance a little bit, just to prove that I am the reflection of the God who lives within me. He is a living God. And if he is a living God, he is a moving God. He is not idle, nor is he an idol. You will not find him posted between two candles at a cathedral, nor some figurine at the end of a buffet somewhere. He is an absolute moving God. In fact, I can prove to you he's never stopped moving. Genesis to Revelation, he has never stopped moving. The Bible says in Genesis that the spirit of the Lord hovered over the face of the deep and moved on the face of the deep. If he's water, he's living water. If he's wind, he's a mighty rushing wind. All the way to the book of Revelation where John says to close the book, even so come quickly, Lord Jesus, because he's an active, breathing, living, moving, awesome, powerful God, and he's my God this morning. So here then is the test of our faith. The test of your faith will always be this then. Can I move with a God who's always on his way somewhere? Because staying stationary behind a moving God will always leave you behind a move of God. Let it never be said that God wanted to do more and he couldn't do more because we couldn't keep up. That God couldn't take me where he really wanted to because my feet were slow and because I was belligerent in my attitude and indifferent in my spirit. But give me a group of people that say, God, whenever, however, wherever you want to take me, I will do more than simply follow you. I will imitate you. It means I have to be close to you. So, God, I'm giving you permission today. Take me where you want to take me and use me however you want to use me. Watch this. In our text, in our text, we have men 11 men who have moved with a God who's on the move. They have walked with Jesus. They have been there when blinded eyes were open. They have been there when the lame got up and walked again. They were there when he stood over caskets and graves and spoke and the dead got raised. They were there. They moved with the moving God. But by the time we get to our text, something has happened. The text says that in this way he showed himself. 
when he shifted the way he wanted to show up, they missed him. Because it is possible that if all of your expectation of God lives in a former presentation of God, you run the risk of missing the next manifestation of God. In other words, what I'm telling you is, is that if you, are, if you don't get your expectation out of what God has always done and who God has always been and who your grandmama's God was and who your granddaddy's God was, you can run the risk of missing the best that God has for you. But give me a group of people that say, God, you can be it, you can do it. In fact, God, I give you permission to break the box in my life. However you want to show up, however you want to do it, it is not my will anymore. It's your will be done in my life and on this earth. Every once in a while, you got to say, God, break the box. Here's what I found out about God. God sometimes will shift the way he wants to show up just to prove that he's God and you're not. And he's always looking for somebody that says, watch this, you can do it however you want to do it in my life. You will not see God show up in the miraculous until you get the kind of responsiveness in your life that never looks back at what he's done before but says, God, however you want to do it now, it's all right with me and my spirit. Watch this. And all of a sudden in the text, these men have walked with him. And now their expectation is in who he used to be. And when he shifts the way he wants to show up, they now miss him. And in the middle of missing him, in the middle of the chaos, in the middle of all the craziness, one one disciple steps up and says, I haven't seen him. I haven't felt him. I don't know what he's doing and I don't know where he's at. Peter says, in the middle of all this, he says, I'm going fishing. Sounds good right now. Come on, somebody. All my men should have given me an amen right there. They should have, yeah. Peter says, I go fishing, and it sounds cute, and it sounds good, and it sounds right until you realize that with one, that one statement, he is indicting his own heart on two different levels. Because to say, I go fishing, the first thing he's saying is, I'm going back to a place I've already come from. Because when Jesus found him, he was fishing. And here's the danger. I got to tell somebody, you have no time to go back to where you've already come from. You have no time to go back to your addictions, your pain, your trouble, your issue. Baby, I know you're not where you want to be, but every once in a while you have to realize you are further than where you used to be. And for that, I'll keep moving forward. And for that, I'll keep giving God praise. And for that, I'll keep my head forward, looking at, looking unto Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of my faith. You can't go back to, in fact, you need to let the devil know today, I don't care what you bait me with, I don't care what you speak to me about, I may not know what God is doing, but when, even when I cannot trace God, I will still trust God. Even when I don't see him, I'm going to still pursue him with everything I have until I get to where he's called me to be. I cannot go back to where I've come from. Peter says, I go fishing. And not, he wasn't just saying, I'm going back to where I've come from. The second thing he's saying is, I'm also going back to a place of comfort. Because here's the danger. If we don't go back to places where we've come from, we like to go back to places of comfort. Not knowing that God will never bless you inside of your comfort zone. The miracles of God and the blessings of God and the favor of God and your destiny and your purpose never live in shallow waters. They are not hidden inside of the boat. In other words, God says, when I want to get you to your purpose, I will always disturb your comfort. 
When I want to take you to another level, I'm going to disturb your comfort. Watch this. If it was all about your comfort, there would be no need for a comforter. And let me help somebody else out. There is no such thing as being called and comfortable. It is no such thing about having comfort in your own life. Watch this. The minute you step out of your own personal comfort, you are giving the Holy Spirit his cue to move on your behalf. What if I told somebody in this room, you are one uncomfortable step away from seeing somebody saved. You're one uncomfortable step away from seeing your body healed. You're one uncomfortable step away from seeing your city saved and the job come. You're just one step away. And if I was that close in this room, I wouldn't care what anybody thought about me. I wouldn't care your opinion about me. I would throw my hands to heaven. I would say, forget you. And I would step into everything God has so the Holy Ghost could do what the Holy Ghost loves to do in my life. Feel like preaching. Watch this. All of a sudden, Peter says, I go fishing. I go fishing. I go fishing. But my problem isn't with Peter because at least he was a fisherman. I mean, at least that's what he did before Jesus found him. My other, my real problem in the text are these other jokers, these other dudes. You know, these guys that are there who say, we go too, but they ain't fishermen. There ain't nothing worse than fishing with people who don't know how to fish. Come on, somebody. I mean, you get in the boat, you thought they knew what they were doing, but you find out they're scared of worms, and they spend the whole day catching tires and boots and stuff, and you don't even get the fish because you're under, no, you can't catch a tree. That's not a, these other guys have gone with Peter. My issue wasn't with Peter because Peter made his own decision based upon his own relationship. These other guys go back because they don't have a relationship at all. Their only relationship with Jesus is the one Peter has. Oh, God. Because there are some people that don't have their own relationship with God. They only pray when somebody else prays. And they only worship when somebody else lifts a hand. But give me somebody in this room that say, I don't want a relationship secondhand. I got to get my own faith in God. My grandma's faith was great and my granddaddy's faith was awesome. But I'm getting my own faith because without your own faith, we will never fulfill your own purpose. I'm going to say it again. Without your own faith, you will never fulfill your own purpose. It takes your measure of faith to become who you're called to be. These guys say we go to, and watch this, something odd happens in the text. I'm hurrying. Something odd happens. All of a sudden, the text says, and immediately they got into a ship. Now, you got to know your Bible to know that this is an odd statement because they had already forsook their boats. No, they didn't forget them. Because to forget them means they left them and were coming back for them. They had forsaken them, meaning that when they left them, they were never going back to them. And then all of a sudden, the text says immediately they got into a ship. What is it about the devil that when he sees you have made up your mind to go back, he always provides the vehicle necessary to take you further than what you really wanted to go? You, you know the ships in your life. You know the ships. You, you know the relationships. You, you know the ships, you, you know the friendships, you know the ships, you even know the fellowships. Anytime the enemy sees you have turned your gaze off of Jesus back to a former life, he will always have a ship waiting for you. Haven't you ever noticed that when your eyes have ever come off Jesus that all of a sudden somebody else shows 
Somebody else shows up in your life, somebody you haven't seen in a while, somebody you haven't talked to in a while, somebody that when you talk to them, all that you get done with is them stealing something from you to the point where you were happy before you talked to them, and now you have anxiety and depression, and you feel like you're drained because you've had a conversation. He always knows how to put a ship, and despite what I just told you about avoiding them, these boys got in. And when they got in the ship, the text is explicit and profound when it says, and all of a sudden, it was night. They went from walking in the light, because we walk in the light as he. Sometimes you don't know the blessings you have in God until he's not there anymore. You don't know what he was protecting you from and what he was keeping you from and what was keeping what he was keeping away from you until he's not there. These boys have watched this forsaken the light. They have stopped walking in the light. And when you stop walking in the light, it will force you to start working in the night. And before they knew it, what was light has turned night. And there they are, trying to do it in their own strength. Trying to get stuff with their own strength. Trying to get their needs met with, oh, come on, somebody, talk to me, with their own strength. Trying to fix the problem with their own strength. Trying to draw in help with their own strength. Trying to get their needs met with their own strength. All of a sudden, they are casting their net. But here is the issue. For all their casting and for all their energy and for all their strength, their nets are empty every time they pull them in. I want to talk to somebody who's doing everything you know to do in your own strength. And still, your net is empty. Trying to fix my marriage with my own strength. I've spent the last six months, and all I am is more tired and more frustrated and more angry about my kids I'm more angry about my situation and my job. I don't know why it's not getting any better. I'm out here doing the work, but I'm getting nothing in return. I am investing way more than I'm getting, and I'm doing life in the red. That's what the Holy Ghost wants you. Thank you, Holy Ghost. That's what the Holy Spirit told me to tell you, that somebody in this room is doing life in the red. Somebody is doing life. You have nothing to give people. You have nothing to give God because you are out there in the middle of the night with no direction, no vision, casting a net and getting nothing in return. And all night, long night, they casted the net and got nothing. Empty and tired and weary. Hoping that maybe this time it'll be different. I'm so glad that the text does not stop there. I'm so glad the story doesn't end with weary and tired and broken and darkness and, and anger and frustration. I'm so glad that the minute I looked at the next verse, it said, but in the morning, yeah, 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 at the, at the beginning of a new day, at the, but in the morning, the Bible says, Jesus. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful that when I walked away from Jesus, Jesus didn't walk away from me. I'm so thankful that when I left the shore and I did my own thing and I made bad decisions, that even when I 
I turned around to look to see if he had left because people walked away from me and people left me. But when I turned to see, he was still there on the shore saying, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I am the friend that sticks closer than him. If you're thankful for a God who stays by you, sticks with you until you get to where he's called you, somebody ought to put your hands together and give him some praise right now. What am I telling you? I'm telling you, you ought to be grateful for second chances. I, I'm, I'm telling you that I can always tell the difference when I'm in a room with second chance people and people that feel like God ought to be happy that they showed up this morning. Because here's the thing about second chance people. Second chance people don't care what people think. Second chance people don't care if their shirt tail comes untucked a little bit or their mascara runs. All they know is that they shouldn't be here right now because of what they used to be in. But God gave them a second chance. And for that, I'll lift my hands. For that, I'll jump. For that, I'll dance. And for that, I'll worship. If I got any second chance people in this room, somebody ought to give him a praise right now. Oh, where would you be? What would you still be stuck in? What mess would you still be in? But he gave you a second chance. Give him one more praise. Do it right now. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, that, that praise right there put the devil on his back. That praise right there put every demon in hell on the run because you just let them know I am never going back. I'm not who I used to be, and I'll keep pursuing the God who created me. He never left you. In fact, he is on the shore because he is the only sure thing in your life. Watch this. But in the morning, Jesus, and through the dew of a new morning, all of a sudden he begins to ask a question. I thought, let me just say this. I'm glad I'm not Jesus. Because I begin to look at this text and think, what would I say to the disciples? I, well, I, no, I ain't going to try. But listen to Jesus. Jesus opens his mouth. He hadn't spoke to him. They haven't heard from him. And of all the things he could have said, should have said, this was his words. Through the dew of a new morning, he says, children, I could preach right there off that. Because he didn't call them by their mistake. He didn't call them by their failure. He didn't call them by their issue. He said, I know your condition, but your condition didn't change your position. You are still a child. You are still my kid. I don't care what people have said. I don't care what your past says or what your family says. You're still a Children, have ye any food? What? You're telling me, Jesus, of all the questions you could have asked these people, you're telling me this is the one you choose. Have ye any food? Until you realize He's asking the one question that nobody wants to answer. Because we want to tell everybody how long we've been in the boat. How bad the storm's been. How dark the night's been. How long we've been a victim. How long we've been in trouble. How they ought to feel sorry for me. But Jesus cuts through all the fluff and says, I want to know, is there any food out there? I want to know, can you prove to me that you've got fruit for living out there? Can you prove to me that the life you're living out there is better than the one I could have given you right here? Can you prove to me that this life is better than abundant life? Can you prove to me, is there any food? 
And any time God wants to fix your situation, he will always compare the fruit of what you're in with the fruit he can give. Have you any fruit? I don't care how long you've been dating them, but for all the time you've been with them, is there any fruit? I don't care how long you've been working there, but for all the church that's making you miss and all the kingdom stuff you're not doing and all the dreams that are going unfulfilled, is there any fruit? And thank God for the honesty of these boys. They had the honesty and the audacity to be, to be themselves enough to say, no, I'm going to be honest. I have nothing to show for being out here in this. For all the time I've spent, I've got nothing to prove to you that it's better. And the minute they used their honesty, it was their honesty that released his divinity. Because God cannot heal the things that you continue to hide. What am I saying? I'm saying confession is the first step to deliverance. That you have to admit it for God to solve it. And the minute that they said, God, we've got nothing to show and we've got a problem in this situation. God said, now, 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 right now I can work in it. And listen, he says, cast your net on the right side. Wait a second. I'm sure you can tell by now I have a very vivid imagination when I read the Bible. I already told you Peter's on this boat. And how many know Peter's got problems? No, Peter got problems. Peter's the kind of guy that's like, Lord, I'll sit by your feet forever. And then he's cussing somebody out in the corner. It's in your Bible. Read it. Peter's the kind of dude that's like, Lord, I want to be with you and reign with you. And then the next minute he's chopping off earlobes in a garden somewhere. He's a little crazy. He's a little different. Can you imagine when some stranger on the shore says, hey, I know you are a master fisherman, but throw your net on the right side. I can see Peter say, oh, no, he didn't. Oh, oh, Thomas, I know you doubt stuff, but you can't doubt that. I will come to that shore. I can hear Peter saying things like, doesn't he know I do this for a living? Doesn't he know I own this boat? Doesn't he know? I do that. I've done this my entire, I know what I'm doing out here. And yet when Peter says that, he has to look down at an empty boat in an empty net. And he has to say, this time I'll do it based upon the fact that you said it. Because sometimes to get a miracle in your life, it's not about doing something new. It's about going back and obeying the last thing he said. And he cast his net, and whoever's on the keys can come. And he cast his net. And when he drew in this net, based upon his obedience, based upon his, come on, hear me in this room, based upon his obedience, based upon his yes to the word of God. Notice he didn't consult anybody. He didn't have to get on Facebook about it. He didn't have to have a meeting about it. He didn't have to call five friends about it. When God said it over him, he said, because you said it, I'll believe it. And there is somebody in this room, you are consulting way too many voices other than the voice of God. When God speaks a thing, his voice is true. And when God speaks it, it has to be just because he said it. And all of a sudden, he draws it in. And when he drew it in, there was so many fish that it almost broke the net and sank the boat. What a miracle. I thought that that would be the end of the text, that they got what they needed based upon obedience, that Jesus came through in the middle of a dark night, helped and saved until all of a sudden the Holy Spirit began to show me 
that the fight of the text had just begun because all of a sudden a new character emerges. The Bible says the disciple whom Jesus loved. You know that disciple. His name is John. He's the writer of this book. All of a sudden John says, wait a second. Peter, that's not some average voice. That's uh, some normal person. I know that voice. You, Because you know who John is. John is a worshiper. And if you want to know where Jesus is in the middle of a dark night, ask a worshiper. Because worshipers are acquainted with the presence of the Lord. And it doesn't matter how dark it is and how bleak it is and how dry it is. In the middle of that, that kind of atmosphere, a worshiper can still stand in that atmosphere and say, I know where he is. And John says, Peter, it's the Lord. And the fight begins. Because now Peter is perplexed. Do I stay with the stuff or do I go to the Savior? This is the fight you fight. Do I hang with the blessing or am I after the blesser? Do I want the benefits or am I after the benefactor? Am I okay with just the provision or do I want the provider? Do I want what he does? Or am I after who he is? And Peter said, fellas, you can stay here with all the stuff. I can't live a day without him. I can't go another moment in my own energy, in my own strength, in my own feeling. I can't try to fix another problem with what I have. I need him. And in one moment, Peter says, you can say what you want. You can call me what you want. You can say I'm radical. You can call me extreme. You can call me a holy roller, whatever you want to call me. Peter says, because, fellas, I made up my mind. Pass me my garment. I'm going overboard. And in one moment, he leaped down into the water. This is what God wants from you. This is what God is asking of this church in this season. Not for another decision. Not for another mere moment. He's asking this church. He's asking you. Will you go overboard for me? Will you go overboard in evangelism? Overboard in small groups? Overboard in setup? Overboard? Will you go overboard in worship? And overboard in prayer time? And overboard in love? Overboard? I want to go overboard. I want to go overboard. I want to go overboard. I want to go. Let it never be said that we were this close to seeing God move, but we wouldn't go overboard. God, let us leave the boat and go overboard, overboard. And there he is swimming. I can hear him talking, saying, don't leave me. I'm on my way. I'm wounded, but I'm coming. I've been hurt, but I'm on my way. I've been through some stuff and made some bad decisions, but I see you, so don't leave me now. I'm coming. I can hear him turn around and look at his friends and say, fellas, you can have the whole world, but give me Jesus 
because that's what overboard people say. You can have all the stuff. You can have all the, all the material things. I just want him because if I get him, I've got it all. If I get him, I've got everything. Give me Jesus. And Peter pulls himself up on the shore. I feel the anointing of God in this room. He pulls himself up on the shore. Can you imagine that moment where what was distant has come back to what was created? And I could see him walk to him. I could see him getting ready to embrace him. Been a while. Haven't felt you. Haven't experienced you. Haven't heard you. And just before Peter begins to hug him and embrace him, I see in my mind Peter stop. And I see him go. Impossible. Can't be. No way. I left that on the boat because the text says in its finality that over on some coals there was a fish fillet and I could hear Jesus say, Peter, I just wanted to see if you love me more than the stuff. I just wanted to see if you'd go overboard and I'd be your number one priority for the rest of your life and you would go crazy for me and be radical for me. And Peter, since you did, I got news for you. I have what you need. And there is a difference between what I have and what the boat held. The difference is out there it was raw and not ready, he said, but here on this fire, everything I have for you is already prepared and already ready and already ready to go. And God told me to tell you today, your dreams are already ready. Your hope is already ready. Everything you need for the next season of your life is on a fire with some coals. And God said, it's all ready, ready. If you believe it, jump to your feet, throw your hands to heaven and thank God for what he's got prepared for you. I said it's prepared. I said the marriage you've been waiting on is already ready. Your family needs are already ready. That job is already, every need you have is already ready. I'm talking to somebody who believes that it can never happen. God said it's already ready. I'm talking to somebody who's lost hope. God said it's going to come back. It's already ready. God said your dream is waiting for you to go overboard. Hear this preacher. I feel like I'm speaking into somebody's now, into somebody's future. Hear me. God said, your dream is waiting on you to go overboard. I feel that. I feel that, pastors. I feel that. I don't know what your dream is, but God said it's contingent. God said, I've already had it ready. It's, it's been ready. For even for this church, there's a new season coming. For your life, there's a new season. But God said, it is contingent on you going overboard. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Say, Pastor Josh, I'm in this room and I just came today and I didn't know Jesus. I don't know him. I, I just came here for the first time and I can't believe that he would love me to stay and have all this stuff ready for me and that he loves me. Yes, friend, he, he does love you. He's got your dreams and your destiny prepared. He actually died and bled for you. 
so that you can have life and life more abundantly, eternal life. And I'm talking to the first people I want to talk to in this room. It's maybe somebody's in this room. Maybe you're even far from God. You once knew God, but you're like these boys who got in a boat and ended up far away from God. And God is drawing you back this morning. If you say, I need to come back to God or I need to give my life to God for the first time, on the count of three, with every head bowed, every eye closed, I just want you to slip up a hand. Nothing crazy. Just slip up a hand. If that's you, on the count of three, one, two, three, if that's you, if that's anybody in this room, anybody, there's a hand. I see one. Yes. I see a hand. Yes. 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 I see hands. Thank you, Jesus. I see hands. Thank you, Jesus. I see hands going up. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We're going to say a prayer. Hear me. There's no power in the prayer. There's only power in the heart that believes the prayer that's being prayed. So we're going to say it together with you. And if you raise your hand, say it loud with us. And in this moment, God's going to come invade your life, be a part of your heart, take over and control your life. Are you ready? Let's say this together. Say, Jesus, today I give my life to you. I surrender all my hopes, all my dreams, all my destiny. I say I'm sorry for those things in my life that have offended you. I turn to you now. Live on the inside of me forever. And I'll serve you with everything forever. In Jesus' name, amen. This is it. This is the last thing. I don't know why I feel this in this service, but I came to talk to some dead dreams. I feel this so strongly. Dead dreams. People who walked in here saying it'll never happen. I'll never see it. You've had people in your life tell you that it can't be. God told me to tell you, it's already ready. It's already ready. If that's you in this room, every head bowed, every eye closed, and you just say, God, I'm ready for my dream. I'm going overboard for my dream. Just slip up both hands to heaven. I feel like God wants to resurrect dreams. There's hands going up everywhere in this room. I don't know what your dream is, but this is your season, young person. This is your season, man of God. This is your season, woman of God. I don't care how old you are or how young you are. Every dream in your life, God said, it's already ready. Slip those hands up to heaven. I'm going to pray over you. And then pastor's coming. Father, in the name, come on, help me pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I speak to every dream in this room. I speak to every hope, every desire of the heart. I speak to employment. I speak, God, to the things that they dreamed as little girls and little boys, God, that maybe they never saw because of tragedy or hurts or pains. But God, today, I speak back into that womb again, God, where the dream has been. And I say, God, today is the day that they realize that it's still ready. And God, we go overboard now, God, to see it. We go overboard for your glory, overboard for your presence. In Jesus' name, if you believe your dream is coming back to life today, somebody put your hands together and make some noise for Jesus. Do it right now.